Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and today we are going to continue our study of the second article of the Creed, of the Apostles' Creed, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. In our previous episode, we talked about how this article of faith, this second article of faith, is foundational uh, for the Christian because we quoted uh, St. John when he said, whoever shalt confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God abideth in him and he in God. And uh, we saw that uh, this, this article of faith is foundational for our salvation. And so naturally, the name of Jesus is something that we should dwell on at some length. And so today we will simply focus on the meaning of the word Jesus. Um, in the Catechism of the Council of Trent, uh, we see that there's a separate subheading uh, with Jesus in big, bold letters in my edition with quotation uh, marks around it. And a full page is dedicated to that uh, name alone. After that, it talks about the name uh, Christ. So today we'll just focus on the name of Jesus. So let us begin by reading from the Catechism itself. And so it begins, Jesus is the proper name of the God-man and signifies Savior, a name given him not accidentally or by the judgment or will of man, but by the counsel and command of God. For the angel announced to Mary his mother, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He afterwards not only commanded Joseph, who was espoused to the virgin, to call the child by that name, but also declared the reason why he should be so called. Joseph, son of David, said the angel, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. In the sacred scriptures, we meet with many who are called by this name. So, for example, is called the son of Nave, who succeeded Moses. And by special privilege, by special privilege denied to Moses, conducted into the land of promise the people whom Moses had delivered from Egypt and also the son of Josedek, the priest. But how much more appropriate it is to call by this name our Savior, who gave light, liberty, and salvation, not to one people only, but to all men of all ages, to men oppressed not by famine or Egyptian or Babylonian bondage, but sitting in the shadow of death and fettered by the galling chains of sin and of the devil, who purchased for them a right to the inheritance of heaven and reconciled them to God the Father. In those men who are designated by the same name, we see foreshadowed Christ the Lord, by whom the blessings just enumerated were poured out on the human race. All other names, which according to prophecy were to be given to, by divine appointment to the Son of God, are comprised in this one name, Jesus. For while they partially signify the salvation which he was to bestow upon us, this name included the force and meaning of all human salvation. And so, in those brief paragraphs, the Catechism, uh, the authors tell us at least three reasons um, why uh, the name of Jesus is especially applied to the son of Mary. Um, first, it says, well, first it defines the name Jesus, uh, which means Savior. But second, it says that 
even though there were other men in Scripture who were called Jesus, and in our footnote we see that uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, is called Jesus, as is also the son of Sirach. Jesus, the son of Josedek, is mentioned often in Esdras, Ajaeus, and Zacharias, and he it is of whom St. Luke speaks, as being descended from Eliezer. So we see that the name Jesus is used at least several times in Scripture, and um, so the son of Mary is not the first one to be called that name. But the Catechism makes the point that if the other men in Scripture were called Jesus because they saved the, their people from the bondage of slavery or they led them into the promised land, um, all the more a fortiori should uh, the son of Mary, uh, Christ the Lord, should he be called Jesus because he saves men not just um, in one time or in one place, but he saves, he saves all men uh, from the bondage of sin. So the name Savior applies especially to him. Um, then the Catechism also makes the point that um, it says that if the if the other men uh, the other men were types or they were they foreshadow Jesus. So just as we see that the that the entire scriptures the Old Testament is really a sign or a, um, a prophecy um, pointing to Christ. So we see we see these men called Jesus who in some way foreshadow Christ. Uh, the final point the Catechism makes is that Scripture, as we shall see when we read uh, apart from the Summa Theologica, um, says that Jesus should be called by other names, for example, Emmanuel. And the Catechism says that all other names, which according to prophecy were to be given by divine appointment to the Son of God, are comprised in this one name, Jesus. Um, so he, so St. Thomas will explain how these other names that we have for Jesus, which are found in Scripture, are really comprised um, or parts of the signification of the name Jesus. So at this point, let's take a um, direction from the footnote in my edition, which points us to an article in the third part of the Summa Theologica, Tertia Pars, Question 37, Article 2. And lo and behold, we find that St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, has written a separate article all about this name Jesus. And so the article is entitled, Whether His Name Was Suitably Given to Christ, namely the name of Jesus. And so the interesting thing about this article, sometimes we just read the reply and we'll get right down to the um, sort of the, the substance of the article. In this article, we find two very interesting objections which highlight what the Catechism was just trying to say. Uh, let's first read the objections that Jesus is not a suitable name. Um, then we'll read St. Thomas's reply and his answers to the objections. So the first objection uh, is, it would seem that an unsuitable name was given to Christ for the gospel reality should correspond to the prophetic foretelling. But the prophets foretold another name for Christ, for it is written in Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And in the same text, Call his name, hasten to take away the spoils. Make haste to take away the prey. 
And again in the same text, His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, God the Mighty, the Father of the world is come, the Prince of Peace. And in Zechariah, we read, Behold a man, the Orient is his name. Thus it was unsuitable that his name should be called Jesus. As is always the case, St. Thomas brings up some wonderful objections. That's a, um, um, I find that very compelling. Uh, why should we call his name Jesus when we read that his name should be called Emmanuel and Counselor and these other things? Uh, so we'll, we'll go to the second objection before we reply to that. The second objection says, Further, it is written in Isaiah, Thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord hath named. But the name Jesus is not a new name, but was given to several in the Old Testament, as may be seen in the genealogy of Christ in St. Luke's Gospel. Therefore, it seems that it was unfitting for his name to be called Jesus. So there we see again a, a reference that the authors of the Catechism make that uh, several other uh, men were called Jesus in the scriptures. And so the name is not a new name, yet uh, in Isaiah it says, Thou shalt be called by a new name. So um, these are both interesting objections. Let's now read uh, the reply of St. Thomas Aquinas in which he argues that Jesus is, of course, a very suitable name for Christ. So St. Thomas says, I answer that a name should answer to the nature of a thing. This is clear in the names of genera and species as stated in the metaphysics. That of course is the uh, great work of Aristotle. Um, since uh, Aristotle says, since a name is but an expression of the definition which designates a thing's proper nature. So there we have a general um, sort of a, a reason why we name things. We name things to express the definition which expresses a thing's proper nature. Um, St. Thomas continues, Now the names of individual men are always taken from some property of the men to whom they are given, either in regard to time, thus men are named after the saints on whose feast they are born, or in respect of some blood relation. Thus a son is named after his father, or some other relation. And thus the kinsfolk of John the Baptist wished to call him by his father's name, Zachary, not by the name John, because there was none of his kindred that was called by this name, as related in Luke. Or again, from some occurrence, thus Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, saying, God hath made me to forget all my labors, as we read in Genesis. Or again, from some quality of the person who receives the name. Thus it is written, this is in Genesis chapter 25, verse 25, that he that came forth first was red and hairy like a, like a skin, and his name was called Esau, which is interpreted red. And so there we have, um, just in its own right, a very interesting little uh, dissertation on why we name the way we name, whether it's um, naming after um, an, an ancestor or a parent, um, or whether we name because of some uh, property of the thing, or whether we name because of a certain time. These are all um, 
I think St. Thomas is um, letting us know why we name things. That's, that's um, interesting all by itself. Then he continues, But names given to men by God always signify some gratuitous gift bestowed on them by him. Thus it was said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, Thou shalt be called Abraham, because I have made thee a father of many nations. And it was said to Peter in Matthew 16, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Since therefore this prerogative of grace was bestowed on the man Christ, that through him all men might be saved, therefore he was becomingly named Jesus, that is, the Savior. The angel having foretold this name not only to his mother, but also to Joseph, who was to be his foster father. And so there, I think St. Thomas is saying that of those various ways of naming, um, the name Savior really does seem to express um, the, uh, I don't want to say the definition or the nature of Jesus, but um, it seems to apply to him preeminently among all men, that um, he indeed is the Savior. Uh, and sometimes we say, we, we use a word um, when we say the Savior. Uh, we mean the one who is preeminent among all. And so I think of other ways of using this word. If I say um, the prophet and I'm thinking about Isaiah, or if I say the philosopher and we're thinking about Aristotle, um, or the apostle and we're thinking about St. Paul and sometimes St. Peter, uh, here we say the Savior, and we naturally turn to that man who is most of all the Savior. So Jesus is um, fittingly called uh, Jesus, the Savior. So now St. Thomas replies to the objections. Um, as we remember, the first objection was that um, the Scripture seems to say, well, we should call him Emmanuel or um, counselor or wonderful. Um, the reply St. Thomas gives is, all these names in some way mean the same as Jesus, which means salvation. For the name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us, designates the cause of salvation, which is the union of the divine and human natures in the person of the Son of God, the result of which union was that God is with us. When it was said, call his name, hasten to take away, etc. These words indicate from what he saved us, vis-a-vis -vis from the devil, whose spoils he took away according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, despoiling the principalities and powers, he hath exposed them confidently. When it was said, his name shall be called wonderful, etc., the way and term of our salvation are pointed out, inasmuch as by the wonderful counsel and might of the Godhead we are brought to the inheritance of the life to come, in which the children of God will enjoy perfect peace under God their Prince. When it was said, Behold a man, the Orient is his name, reference is made to the same as in the first, namely to the mystery of the Incarnation, by reason of which to the righteous, a light is risen up in darkness, according to the Psalm 111, verse 4. And so St. Thomas, of course, brilliantly handles that objection by saying that 
Um, when scripture says his name shall be Emmanuel or Wonderful or Counselor or God is with us, um, we see that this is consistent with, with our Lord's name, Jesus, because they all signify some, they all signify that name in some respect, either as the cause or the, the term or some other respect. Uh, finally, let's take up the reply to the second objection, uh, that interesting objection where scripture says, uh, call him by a new name, and Jesus is not a new name. Well, St. Thomas replies, the name Jesus could be suitable for some other reason to those who lived before Christ, for instance, because they were saviors in a particular and temporal sense, but in the sense of spiritual and universal salvation, this name is proper to Christ, and thus it is called a new name. So uh, there we see that um, St. Thomas in that article, in the, in the third part of the Summa, uh, question 37, uh, article 2, we can see that the um, authors of the Catechism of the Council of Trent um, really uh, used that article to shed light on this name Jesus and how fitting it is uh, to call our Savior by that name. Um, and so I think that uh, it's good that we dwell just on that name and think about that uh, before we turn our attention to the second word in the second article of the Creed, namely Christ. Um, this whole article will take less time than the first article. Um, but so in our next episode, we will talk about the name, the name Christ and what that means. So um, thank you for joining me in this episode of exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a year. Um, I hope you will join me next time as we explore the, the name Christ. I'm Mark Langley, and thank you for joining me.